walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. It's the hardest. Walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. Yeah, get your boots ready. We're about to go on a trip where we wrestle nobody, settling or calling it quits. You're here for the grit, betcha this stuff is amazing. You're stumbling, welcome to the bump in the apron. Step into it, the hardest part of the ring. Here to bring fun, yeah, and this art is king. It's the best thing, making sure you don't tap out. Don't go soft with the hardest part cast out. And it's not just another one, it's clear. Off the rest, in this content, none can test. Take the nonsense off the steps. You know it's nothing but Pure gems when it's coming off the chest. Get it? Now it's time to sit and relax. Get your mind blown away. Ain't no skipping this track. Have you paid more attention? No listening gap. Get everything I ever wanted. No giving it back. Yeah. Ooh. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Apron Bump Podcast. I'm your host, the hardest part of the ring. Welcome back, everybody. Or welcome for the first time. Who am I? Who am I to assume? Uh glad to have you either way unless you're uh you know mexican but otherwise other, <laughs> love my mexicans i love mexicans remember the donald trump thing um and like taco bowls in the white house whatever i love mexicans or i love hispanics that's what it was what a robot that guy was but anyways no donald trump on this episode even though I've probably already fucked up my algorithm on YouTube, but just by saying that. But uh, we do have some Ring of Honor here. You read the title. You knew. You hit play. You knew what you were getting into. We got some Ring of Honor ROH from August 2003. Got a couple shows we going to be talking about today. We got Wrath of the Racket, which occurred on August 9th from Dayton, Ohio. ROH's debut in Dayton. And we also have Bitter Friends, Stiffer Enemies from August 16th, coming from Fairfield, Connecticut. So we got Ring of Honor kind of branching away from their Philly roots for a little bit here, for a month at least, to uh, give us some good wrestling. You know, it's it's Ring of Honor. You know what you're going to get. The early days, the glory days. You got your Samoa Joes. Samoa Joes here, he's defending his title against BJ Whitmer who uh, won a number one contender's like fatal sub seven way or whatever the hell <laughs> at the last show. So they have a match on the first show. Uh, the second show, Smojo actually has his first encounter one-on-one with CM Punk. Hell yeah, doggy. Suck me dry. We got Joe versus Punk. The first thing, the first one. And they would go on to have, you know, very... Much more significant ones in the future, but it was cool to see them kind of go at it here in the early days. Of course, it's Ring of Honor. You got a bunch of scramble matches, a lot of fun, uh, a lot of fun new names popping up. Some of them are kind of just independent names that are kind of just fun to talk about. Like, uh, of course, you got Slick Wagner Brown. You got Chet the Jet Jablonski. You got you got the return of Scoot Andrews and Hot Stuff Hernandez. Okay, it's not all shit. <laughs> it's, we also get some good stuff. We get the debut of one Nigel McGinnis. That's right, 2003 Nigel. 
popping up here. I guess he was pretty significant in the Ohio area. So he uh, pops up in the first show, Wrath of the Rackets. And um, very early Nigel, uh, to me, he's he's on my personal Mount Rushmore of all time. So it was cool to see very early Nigel, kind of similar to what he would, he would end up being with some minor differences. But um, definitely, you know, mid-card, lower mid-card guy here, but would go on to have uh, a hell of a run, a hell of a run in Ring of Honor. And we get to see the start here for old Nigel. Uh, we also get the return of Steve Carino. Hasn't been on a Ring of Honor show since I believe the one year anniversary, if I remember correctly. Uh, at least he hasn't wrestled on the one. But uh, he's back to uh, seemingly attempt murder on homicide. I guess he's attempting homicide on homicide, huh? Folks. So, uh, <laughs> no, but that's probably the match of the month street fight between Steve Carino and homicide. I don't think I've ever seen another person bleed as much as homicide bled on this. It was comical how much blood there was brutal. Brutal is a word for it, but we get a lot more into it as we go forward here in the pod cast. I'll put the, I'll, I'll put all, I'll put the full cards um, in the description below as well. So if you want to check out the description of uh, the podcast platform or the YouTube that you're watching this on, the YouTube that you're watching this on, check the description to see what's happening here. We'll, we'll touch on, we won't touch on every single match, every single segment, but we'll, we, we at least touch on most of it for sure. Jim Cornette's here. We know we touched on it in the last episode. Jim Cornette kind of, it was like a pre-taped promo that he sent in basically hyping up this show, Wrath of the Racket, the first show of this month. Jim Cornette makes an appearance and it's kind of part of it's kind of what you expect, but it's also ends up kind of taking a turn in a direction that I didn't think it was going to take, but uh, it was hilarious either way. And it was, it was fantastic. So Jim Cornette's here. Nigel McGinnis is here. Chet, the jet Jablonski is here. What else, what else do you want? Well, what else could you possibly want from a wrestling review podcast? That meets all my criteria. Personally, we got some crazy promos on the show, by the way, too. And I actually included some clips in the podcast just because they were so insane. Namely, Dan Moff, who uh, that man's a, that man's crazy. There's there's just craziness behind those eyes. And we get to see uh, some of his promo chops here and horrifying, horrifying is the word I'll use for that. But but uh, it's making things seem big. A lot of these matches they're they have some great build up to them. We're still building up to Raven versus CM Punk in a steel cage, which will happen the next month. Lots going on. Lots going on. And who's who's here to help tackle all of this? Well, none other than Brent from the A Work in Progress podcast. That's right. Brent's returning to the pod. He took a break from milking his pigs on his farm in Nebraska to hop on and talk about some ROH uh, but you can check out Brent and the A Work in Progress podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, as well as YouTube. And they're also live on Twitch, live on Twitter. They do a lot of fun watch alongs and reviews of old wrestling shows. A lot of like early 90s WWF, like, uh, you know, golden era, new generation type stuff. I feel like that's kind of his forte, but he covers a lot of stuff on the podcast, him and his co-hosts. So uh, go check him out. Go check out the A Work in Progress podcast. A hilarious time. Always. Uh, watching his show and uh, always a fun time having him on here as well. And by the way, 
if you're listening to this uh, the day that it drops, January 18th, or uh, anytime around there, this Saturday, January 21st, at 8 p.m. Eastern, I will be hopping on the A Work in Progress podcast, where we are going to be doing a watch along of a Royal Rumble while playing a drinking game with it. So it's, it's a whole thing. You pick your entrance, you drink when the guys eliminate other people, you drink when you your guy gets eliminated. It's a, it's a whole thing. There's a lot of rules, but it sounds like a fun time. So, and I'm sure it will be. So go check that out. If you haven't checked out his podcast, at least check that out, dip your toes into it. And I'm sure you'll be hooked from that moment. So should be a lot of fun. So go check that out. All of his socials and stuff in the description below, as well as mine to, uh, keep yourself abreast of when that will happen. So, um, that's of course, follow me apron bump. Across the board, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, you jizz, you porn. Uh, Apronbump.com for everything. If you want to listen to me talk about some Ring of Honor some more, maybe the previous shows, maybe you're just hopping in cold. You're like, gee whiz, hardest part of the ring. I sure would like to uh, experience your journey thus far in the Ring of Honor. Well, I was just you. To go to apronbump.com and you can go to the episodes tab at the top and you can select Ring of Honor and that'll filter you down to all of my Ring of Honor episodes that I've covered starting from their very first show, uh, February 2002, when Era of Honor Begins. And I have covered every single Ring of Honor show up until now, August 2003. So go do that. It's, it's always a hilarious time talking Ring of Honor because it's such it's such a unique thing and just early independent wrestling. It's, it's a sight to see, and we experience it more in August of 2003. So with that, might as well dive a dick first into this. Ring of Honor, August 2003, with myself and Brent from the A Work in Progress podcast. I, just in case it wasn't clear that you're from Nebraska, I appreciate you. Uh, I wanted, yeah, well, it's my gimmick. Yeah, I mean, you gotta have something, right? It's not. It's not actually a gimmick. It's my actual life. I actually live in Nebraska. Yeah. <laughs> so if if I were to like go to Nebraska, like what was the what, what would be the thing that you would recommend that I do there, <laughs> like for fun? <laughs> um, I don't. I I I don't think you're a big uh, sports guy or a football guy. You don't seem like it. Um, What's that supposed to mean? When I when you get like I've seen your tweets about the Super Bowl and you don't see. Oh. <laughs> I thought you just like looked at me like this guy don't know anything about football. <laughs> no, actually, you look like a guy who would enjoy a football game. But I've seen some of your tweets regarding football and the Super Bowl, so I know that you're not a huge football <laughs> fan. I do like football. I'm just not like a religious watcher, I guess. Well, you're smarter than I am because I am a religious watcher, and I would say to you, if you're going to come to Nebraska, the best thing to do would be go to Nebraska Cornhuskers football game. But I don't know how mm. into that you would be. Um, but really, there's literally not fucking anything else going on around here. Literally nothing. There's football for four months, and then the other eight months, there's nothing. Cow tipping. Um... I'm sure folks that live in the country do cow tip, but I live in the city, and so I have never oh. touched a cow nor been around a cow. Nor do I just at the local bars. Am I right or am I wrong, uh, everybody? Uh, not anymore. I'm married now, but back in the day. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Tipped a few cows back in my day, but anyways. It was, it was hard on the back, but somebody's got to do it, you know what I mean? Yeah, you know. Does does somebody, though? No. Nobody does. <laughs> Nobody. Um, 
But yeah, dude, so you're able to uh, catch six hours of Ring of Honor from 2003? I did. I watched all six hours. One three-hour portion was better than the other three-hour portion, I would say. But all... All in all, it was hard to get into at first because, like you told me, it's super indie, like super, super indie. Like I got yeah. ECW vibes from it. It was like ECW, but with better in-ring quality wrestling, at least for my opinion. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. And it's it's even way less indie than it was in 2002 because now they at least got like some storylines going on. Although I will say, these shows in particular, August of 2003, were pretty in-ring heavy, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but especially the first show, I feel like it felt just like match, 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 match. Whereas yeah. the second night had more like storyline elements to it. So did you enjoy the second night for that reason? More so? Yeah, more so I did enjoy the second night and the first night. And the first night, it did have a lot of in-ring wrestling, but it was a lot of shorter matches. And at yeah. times I felt like I was watching a bunch of teenagers <laughs> wrestling. <laughs> I was like, look at that. These guys look like they're 17. <laughs> Dunn and Marcos. Everybody in Special K, they remind oh. me of, have you ever seen Malibu's Most Wanted? Of course. Yeah. They seem like the got the crew from Malibu's <laughs> Most Wanted is what Special K if, seemed like to me. If you threw Jamie Kennedy in the middle of that, he'd fit right in. Yeah, he, that would be his crew for sure. Yeah. Wow. Well, that just enhances them for me now that I have that visual in my head. Well, I don't know how it couldn't. I mean, you couldn't make Special K any worse, you know? Mm, well, no, I don't think there's any way that you could, especially because I think like, Toward the end of one of the shows, I think they were trying to like like put something in Mickey James's drink or Alexis, whatever her name is back then. They were like trying to put something in a drink, and I was like, "Are they trying to date rape her? Because that's not cool." Yeah, I think it was the second show, right? Bitter friends, stiffer yeah. enemies. Yep. Um, I think it like opened with them trying to put something in her drink, and yep. then it closed with them succeeding and putting something in their drink. So we'll see how that progresses. Uh, I'll keep you updated on the next show. Thank you. But um, the uh, it is not good. It doesn't fare well for old Alexis Lurie there. But uh, I mean, there was some other stuff other than uh, date raping on this show. There was. Uh, was there? Yeah, there was some. There was some other things. Um, <laughs> well, I guess first of all, I should ask. Yeah, so you, we were talking about Ring of Honor watching these old shows a while ago were you uh, uh watching during this period or have you ever been a ring of honor watcher no so i really didn't start watching ring of honor to like this is embarrassing to say but i don't think i started watching ring of honor to like 2014 or 2015 because most for most of my wrestling viewing i was pure wwe wcw guy and i never watched mm -hmm. anything other than that and kind of ROH is kind of my introduction into wrestling outside of WWE because I had, you know, made some friends online and they were kind of watching other stuff. And so I was like, oh, I'll check this out. Mm -hmm. And so that was really the only time I ever watched ROH. So these two early shows that I watched for this would be my first viewing of any early ROH stuff. So did it uh, did it meet your expectations as far as like what you expected? So, so you said like like the first show did, wasn't as storyline heavy as the second, and I was actually surprised by both shows that there was as much storyline stuff as there is. Because mm -hmm. when I think about Ring of Honor and stuff like that, I think about just them throwing dream matches at you, like oh look, we Daniel Bryan yeah. versus AJ Styles, or we got CM Punk versus Samoa Joe. So I was actually surprised that they had more like backstage promos and uh, storylines mm -hmm. going into it than I thought that they would. Yeah. I, like I said, O2 was very much just like the dream match kind of thing. It'd just be like, oh, this guy who's been making waves on the indies versus the other guy that's a good wrestler and just be that over and over again. And the shows like in the early days were kind of hard to get through. But these ones kind of flowed a little bit better. Like you said, there was 
even the promos like were surprisingly pretty good. I mean, they're clearly indie promos, but like most, I mean, you have punk Joe, Dan Moff, which we'll get to later. <laughs> um, you have fucking, uh, another legend, um, which we'll also get to on this show and just some, just some good, uh, promos, good segments, I think. And, uh, some good wrestling of course, but, um, I guess just to open up when you, cause you just recently watched these shows. Yeah. What, what is like your main take? Like when you think of ring of honor, August, 2003, like what do you immediately think of? I'm thinking of like, uh, good in-ring wrestling because for the most part, what I saw on there was just some good in-ring stuff. They, yeah. it didn't have too many high spots, um, which I thought going into it, I would see a ridiculous ton of high spots. I mean, it had its fair share of high spots, but not any more than what you see in wrestling nowadays. I would say it was a lot less than you see in wrestling nowadays. So yeah. I would say good, solid in-ring wrestling when I think of ROH. Yeah. I mean, for the most part, there wasn't, wasn't a lot of high spots, but I think that's because they were all consolidated into that first match, the uh, four way scramble match. So this is to open up Wrath of the Racket, and we'll find out why it's titled that here in a second. But um, this is like this like represents Ring of Honor in 2003, in my opinion, just like a bunch of guys in baggy clothes and headbands just flipping all over the place. And it's like you watch it with today's lenses. It's like, OK, they're just doing spots. But like in 2003, they're like the fan base, I feel like was hungry for it because all they had like WWE was doing what they were doing. You didn't have WCW or ECW. So it was a change of pace um, from what people were used to in America, at least, I guess. But um, yeah, so this four way scramble match. So we got Don Juan and Fast Eddie. <laughs> You got a problem with Don Juan and Fast Eddie? I know that's the fucking greatest tag. Don Juan and Fast Eddie seem like two <laughs> guys that should have been hanging out with the Godfather. You know what I mean? <laughs> they might have been. Well, I don't know if you uh, if you figured this out uh, through commentary watching this match, but Fast Eddie is legally blind. Oh, it's a goddamn miracle then. I must have totally missed that. <laughs> Did you actually miss it? I must not have. I don't remember him being, <laughs> saying he was well, blind, so I must have missed it. Commentary laid it on pretty thick. Maybe not as thick as they usually do, but uh, Chris Lovey, who, by the way, is Gabe Sapolsky, okay. who's the owner of Ring of Honor, he'd yeah. be like, oh, well, he got hit in the face with that boot, but I mean, he couldn't see it coming because he's blind. <laughs> okay, we get it. He didn't have a dog or like a stick, so I didn't understand. Nothing. Didn't have the, the Blues Brother glasses. Nothing. Just out there like a normal person. How dare he? That's fucking pretty goddamn impressive, though. I mean, if you got a fucking blind guy out there wrestling, I mean, you'd have to put that over on commentary, My man right? couldn't even drive to the arena, but he's in there throwing out brain busters on guys. Um, oh, man. <laughs> or maybe his piss partner, Don Juan, is there to uh, lead him. him. It's his life coach, really. It's not his tag team partner. It's his life coach. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Um, but they're taking on the Carnage crew, the team of DeVito and uh, Masada, or I'm sorry, Loke and Masada. Versus the SAT versus Special K, represented by Deranged and Hydro. By the way, did you gather who Hydro was? The real scrawny little Hydro guy? Yeah. The the black bald gentleman. Oh, that was him? I thought it was a scrawny yeah. white guy was, was fucking... That was everybody else. That was okay. I... <laughs> So the one guy who wasn't a scrawny white guy meant nothing to me, I guess. <laughs> but do you know who he is? Because he's still, he's pretty prevalent today in wrestling. That's Jay Lethal, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yes, correct. And he kind of he kind of looks like he does today because he has the bald head and he's like kind of jacked, at least in comparison to the other 
special guy guys. Yeah, I we're guess, gonna get but... into some other people on this show that we've seen on well-known wrestling yes. programs, and they look much different back mm-hmm. then than they do now. But not so much Jay Lethal. I don't think he's grown up at all. It looks exactly the same. No, he's uh, it doesn't crack no. as they say. Um, wrestlers, that is. But um, yeah, this is just a very spot-heavy match. With I mean, if you just look at these guys, it kind of makes sense. It's kind of the same. There's always like a scrambly tag match on these shows, and it's kind of like SAT is always in it. Special K is always in it. Carnage Crew is always what in it. What does SAT stand for? The Spanish announce team. Because okay. they're Spanish. Well, goddamn, pal. <laughs> I did not uh-huh. expect that to be the answer. I really didn't. <laughs> At first, I thought it was the Spanish announce table, which is like kind of funny because they always get people get into them. I don't know. Yeah, but um, I think I like Spanish announce table better. They should have went with that. Let's go with Spanish announce table. Let's they're the Spanish announce table, and um, they're pretty. They're the inventors, or at least the like innovators of the Spanish fly, which we see lots now. Oh, so they're the fucking ones, huh? Look, it was cool when I say when Jose and Joel were doing it. Now everybody's mother is doing a Spanish fly. You yeah, know, six guys are doing it all at the same time on the top rope, like a fucking synchronized right. swimming show <laughs> off, off, off a ladder that's hung on another ladder. That's, you know, yeah, know. that's 50 feet in the air. <laughs> yeah, of yeah. course. And it's just a transition spot. But in 2003, it was pretty cool. Yeah, um, they busted out on Jay Lethal here in this match, which was fun. Uh, we get a double doomsday DDT by special K. I mean, it's just a lot of crazy moves I have listed here. We got a. Uh, Deranged does a springboard as his pants are falling down. Uh, SAT catches him and does this crazy. I don't even know how you describe it. It's like a pendulum. It's like a stretch muffler, but then you flip them 360 and slam them. Yeah, like a double, but a double team. It was he crazy. should have been other, dead. Yeah, I mean that was. I think they did it both nights, or yeah, both nights too. I think so, you're right. Yeah, dope move. But any other like spots catch your eye specifically in this match? Not really. Like you said, this was just a bunch of fucking guys flying everywhere. It was, (laughs) it was just, it was really just a mess. Uh, the carnage crew guys look like they just got off of their construction job, which I think that's their gimmick. Yeah. It's, uh, they're like, by the way, carnage crew, they, they cut a promo. I think it's the second night. There's, there's some of the best, Mike guys in Ring of Honors and on their roster at this point because it's like their their character is very like cut and dry but they like they sell it perfectly like Briggs and Jensen kind of from NXT but with more edge yeah but more believable right um and not jerking off you know what I mean well you don't know that maybe they are I don't know (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll put out feelers to those guys speaking of feelers anyway (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah, Fast Eddie, he's blind, but he's still moonsaulting, but he like fl- flies into the crowd, which is like, okay, well, you're blind. blind. <laughs> you probably couldn't see where the guys were, so I can't I can't knock him too hard for God that. Goddamn. Uh, Goddamn, pal, you're blind. But, uh, <laughs> you're blind, pal. You got no CNI dog. You jump into the crowd. Anyway. You don't know. <laughs> It'll be Real amazing. <laughs> Goddamn, pal. Uh, Dixie uh, trips up low. So, by the way, are you familiar with the Code of Honor? Yeah, so I realized that they were very upset with Special Game for cheating to win here. They were, um, Chris Lovey specifically, was uh, absolutely disgusted, quote, yep, that's to exactly, quote him. Yeah. He's, because uh, the code of honor, it's, it's shaking hands before and after the match, but you're also not supposed to, you know, interfere in matches. You're not supposed to hit the referee. You're not supposed to, no sneak attacks, which um, they did pretty much all of in this match. And yeah, I was going to. It led. 
<laughs> they broke all the code of honor in just the first all match. the commandments within the first 10 minutes of your viewing here yeah um but deranged or dixie trips up hc loka in the ring and this allows deranged to hit a springboard her and can run a pin to get the win so special k wins here breaking the code of honor but um somebody else is pretty disgusted not just commentary a man with a racket who is going to unleash his wrath. James E. Cornette comes out. He's... <laughs> so, okay. So there's a, it's a whole thing throughout the show. It's a whole thread. But I actually have a little one-minute clip here. of uh, So Jim Cornette comes out. He, like, walks around the ring. And uh, this is his reaction to the match that we just described. Jim Cornette right here. but does a reach out for and there you see Cornette going up to ring announcer Jeff Gorman who you saw it was nice of you to splurge on 10 more feet of cord you idiot Cornette's in a bad mood yeah so I guess like the cordless mic wasn't working or something so everybody that had to cut a promo had to like walk to the aisle way to get the stupid corded mic very Um, good start good way to show yourself to Jim, Jim Cornette here what the So the Midnight Express music plays, which pops uh, everybody, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then Dunn and Marcos come out, who are the Ring Crew Express, who are the the ultimate jobber tag team, who are the most teenagery teenagers you could ever see in your life. They look like they're both twelve, mm-hmm. and uh, they cut a promo on Cornette. They're gonna rock them like a hurricane, and then from behind them, the prophecy attacks Daniels. Christopher Daniels, Dan Moth, they attack Dunn and Marcos and they do, they throw them in the ring. They do the whole Midnight Express thing with the rocket launcher and the, uh, what was that, a double flapjack. Yeah. Um, take them out and they basically announce that Jim Cornette is a part of the prophecy. The prophecy, of course, is a faction. It's one of the top factions in Ring of Honor at this point. It's Daniels, Dan Moth. Um, there's some other wrinkles in it as we go along these shows here, but, um, yeah, what'd you make of Cornette's appearance here? I mean, all the stuff that he said in your promo was hilarious. The, the promo that you played was hilarious, especially the whole, uh, you know, yeah. I, it looks like you guys are going to pour it into a blender, which is exactly how that match was. It was like a bunch of guys poured into a blender. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it was interesting to see Jim Cornette here. I guess with it being called Wrath of the Racket, I should have seen it coming, but I was very surprised. And I was even more shocked to hear the Midnight Express music's played. I, didn't, <laughs> I was like, hold on, wait a minute. And then, man, no, it was just two bald guys. <laughs> How dare you? Sorry. Um, yeah, Midnight Express would be a uh, quite a change of pace from uh, Don Juan. But yeah. uh, so Jim Cornette's in the prophecy, and he's going to 
manage them for their upcoming main event from the show, Wrath of the Racket, which we can uh, get into here, I suppose. So I should say that the ROH, so for the ROH Tag Team Championships, and the current champions are AJ Styles and Amazing Red. So Amazing Red, I believe, had a legit knee injury. So he basically, during the show, got taken out backstage by the Prophecy. It's kind of led by Cornette. They took out Amazing Red backstage, like catering, I guess. I don't know where they were. Um, sure, signing autographs or something, yeah. That's right. I think it was intermission because, like, all the crowd was there and they were yeah. cheering along and stuff. Um, so they took out AJ's partner. And AJ basically has to go in and defend the titles against Christopher Daniels and Dan Moff. So AJ has to find a replacement partner. And that replacement partner is none other than Homicide, who is uh, one of the bigger stars at this point in Ring of Honor. Um, how familiar are you with Homicide? So only Homicide stuff I've seen is obviously the LAX stuff from TNA because he was in LAX, right? right? And so that's really it. Haven't really seen any one-on-one wrestling from him or anything like that. Um, so not super familiar with one-on-one wrestling, but some tag. Yeah. Um, I, I was kind of the same, too, until I, st- until I started rewatching this stuff. And I will say, as far as 2003 goes, so far, he's definitely the MVP of the year. I would say probably the MVP of these two shows. Um, especially like in a match we'll talk about later. But yeah. Um, because he was in two, he had two matches on this show, right? And then he had two matches on the yeah. next show too. So yeah, you could definitely <laughs> say he was the MVP. Like you, like you said, I was super impressed and surprised by, by what he did in the ring when he was doing the one-on-one matches because I hadn't really seen him wrestle like that. Mm. And I've always heard like stories about how good he was, but I had never seen it for myself. So yeah, it, it was a lot of fun to watch him wrestle. Did you have any like takeaways from his? Because he had matches with Chris Saban. And then right. he had a match with Prince Nana the next night. Those are kind of the lower tier matches he had. Did you have any thoughts on those matches? Uh, I enjoyed the one. Um, the one with Nana was kind of like a throwaway match because he was just kind of out there talking shit. And Nana kind of yeah, strikes yeah. me as like a jobber guy in, in ROH. Maybe he ends up being more of a manager presence than anything. That's yeah, what he's known say, for. Doesn't he become like uh, Jay Lethal's manager in later years in ROH? I think so. It's the not the kingdom. Something Fuck. like that. But he's he's it's still he's in AEW or Ring of Honor managing Brian Cage and oh is he two, two Samoan guys I forget what their fucking names are somebody's yelling at me um, so he's still but uh, it's amazing yeah he still pretty much looks the same too still doing the same deal he managed yeah. he ends up ma- managing like Jimmy Rave and Claudio Castagnoli oh, okay. and he has a big I, I can't I'm blanking on the faction name it'll come I'll, I'll randomly yell it during this but of course you will of course that's how. <laughs> But uh, yeah, the match with Chris Saban was good. Chris Saban, at this point, has only been wrestling for two years. Commentary said, which was mind-boggling to me, because yeah, because like, that was a really good match. That was, I mean, as far as one-on-one matches go, that was probably the best one-on-one match of the first show. Was that mm-hmm. one? Um, yeah, I know it was fun to watch him wrestle. I enjoyed it. Uh, he was he clear to see that he's one of the bigger stars. I also also like the shirt he was wearing that said "Don't make me violate my probation," which I thought that was great. <laughs> Hopefully he still sells those. <laughs> he should if he doesn't. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So, but the main event of the first night, it's the tag team title. So it's AJ Styles and Homicide defending against the Prophecy. And uh, the match is, is fun. J- Jim Cornette's there. So you're doing like all the old school stuff. Like Daniels has an abdominal stretch on one guy and he's using the racket. Jim Cornette's like pulling them, doing that whole deal. Um, 
but then it kind of breaks down towards the end. You got Daniels throwing out blue thunder bombs on AJ. Like seeing Daniels and AJ Styles go at it was fun because it was like their very early days. Yeah. Uh, best moonsault ever on AJ for two. They uh, hit the rocket launcher, I believe, on AJ Styles. A uh, homicide breaks up the pin. A homicide hits an ace crusher onto Daniels for two from the top rope, which is crazy. For a two uh, count. <laughs> for a two count. Yes, whatever. Yeah. Uh, RKO from the top rope. It's fine. But then uh, Daniels hits the Angels' wings on homicide. AJ breaks the pin. And then towards the end, Jim Cornette tosses the tennis racket to Christopher Daniels. And AJ counters it, takes the racket, hits Daniels with it, and then lands the Styles Clash on the racket and gets the win. So Styles and Hamas, I guess Styles and Red are still the champions. I don't know how that works, but um, they retain. AJ's still a champion. That's all that matters, I guess. And then uh, Cornette ends up shaking their hands and... Uh, which I didn't, which made no sense to me. I didn't know why he got in there and was like, you know what, you guys are my kind of guys all of a sudden. <laughs> I, just didn't, I didn't understand it. Well, he ends up cutting a promo to close the show. He's like, you know, I was wrong. Like this style of wrestling. I love it. You're great. You're, I'm gay. You're sexy. Like right. I'm paraphrasing. But the same things I said to you when we first turned this podcast on. Yeah. 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 I mean, I was recording when you were doing that. So. That's fine. <laughs> um, we'll put that in the Patreon. But <laughs> Cornette shakes their hands. And prophecy. I got to tell you this. Prophecy hates shaking hands. Uh, so they beat the oh. shit out of Jim Cornette and uh then uh, Smo Joe comes out to make the save because they're beating on Jim Cornette. Joe runs them, runs them away, grabs the racket. And just just the visual of Smo Joe standing there with a tennis racket as Jim Cornette cuts a promo was just amazing to me. I don't know. Just it, it's it showed I'm, how good Ring of Honor was doing at this point. And like Samoa Joe at this time, he kind of looks like surfer dude Joe. He doesn't look <laughs> like the mean Samoa Joe. He just yeah. reminded me like a surfer because he's got the bleach blonde hair and then that weird like necklace that he was wearing. And just I felt like he was gonna go catch some waves, bruh. That's just what well, I he felt. Was. Like. Some of those, and hey, uh, I'm not. I don't tell him I said that either because he'll. Is <laughs> <laughs> every, everybody goes through a highlight. Highlighted hair phase with the necklace. Well, not in Nebraska. You don't. You go into an overalls phase where you wear overalls. Oh, I'm still in it too. Okay. <laughs> Amen. None. Not kink shaming here. <laughs> but um, yeah, Jim Cornette gets it. The huge ROH chance, by the way. As soon as he grabs the mic, and uh, it was just a cool way to end the show, I guess. But uh, yeah, any other thoughts on that match or anything involving this? The match was fun. I, I mean, that was. I, I, it was a tag team match, but it was probably the best match on the show, the most entertaining. Um, yeah. The Jim Cornette at the end thing didn't kind of make any sense to me, especially knowing Jim Cornette the way that you know him. It's like, I don't get it. But it was a fine It was a fine show. The main event was fun. I like the um, – I like the uh, – the Col- the not Colt Cabana. The um, – what match was it? BJ Whitmore, Samoa Joe was fine. There was the other one. What match? Mm-hmm. Just Incredible versus Matt Stryker. We'll talk more probably about Matt Stryker in the next show. But I enjoyed that match too. The crowd really ate that match up. And I don't know, yeah. maybe because it was Just Incredible was there. Um, but I enjoyed that match a lot. Uh, it was a fine show, I guess. Mm-hmm. Fine is a good word. <laughs> yeah, it was not bad. Yeah, fine. Fine's a good word. Yeah. But um, they progressed a lot of storylines and I guess built up some people. One you named is Matt Stryker. And um, might as well talk about that first match. So he had a match with Just Incredible on the first night. And uh, I should say that this, the first night was there was Ring of Honor's debut in Dayton, Ohio, which they would end up going there all the time. But this is their first time going there. 
And Matt Stryker's like kind of a hometown guy. He's like an hour away from Dayton. Mm-hmm. But um, and then he's going against Just Incredible, who was fresh off his WWE run. Still pretty fresh off of his ECW run, I guess, just a few years. So Just Incredible still got a lot of cachet and wrestling. But uh, yeah, I, th- I, I enjoyed this match. Just I thought Just Incredible's heel work was really good. Like because he came out to a huge ovation. Like the crowd is really behind him. Yeah. But then he's like doing the whole deal where he like the ref was distracted and he made like a punch noise it's like oh he, he closed fist fist punched me or whatever he was doing yeah and then justin like starts walking away and grabs the mic and he's like yeah you you people are disrespecting me and then he leaves and then matt striker goes and stops him but um yeah i thought it was a pretty fun it was kind of a brawling yeah match style match because matt striker is generally like the technical pure wrestling kind of guy so it was interesting to see him out of his element here but yeah yeah, what, what was your? Uh, where I only seen Matt Stryker as a comedy act, you know, and WWE was a fucking teacher or whatever. So this is not the same Matt. That's Stryker. not the same Matt Stryker. No, no. no okay, no. I didn't think so because I'm looking at him and I'm like, it doesn't look like him, but maybe he got some sort of makeover. <laughs> he's only got he's got a unibrow. They wouldn't allow that in WWE. It's just so strange that there's two wrestlers and they're both <laughs> Matt Stryker. This is Matt Stryker with a Y, sir. Ah, my bad. Yeah. Yeah, so that that just changes your whole uh, outlook on this. It this does. Match, it's right? like a whole new. I and I didn't think it was him, but then for some reason, I'm like, there's no fucking way that there's two match strikers. <laughs> it's not possible. Well, I'm gonna tell you this: there is. It I is. don't think it's either of their real names, but uh, yeah. But yeah, match striker. He's kind of a. Uh, he kind of just faded away after a few years because he didn't. He was kind of a Dean Malenko type. Mm, he was. He's yeah. like a good wrestler, not a ton of charisma, but. For these early days of Ring of Honor, he was good. Yeah. Man, um, Justin Credible's there. They're fighting in the crowd. Um, Credible ends up getting busted open on a post. Uh, then Justin slams Matt Stryker on the floor. So you're seeing a lot of, like I said, these like brawling type of stuff that you wouldn't normally see out of a Matt Stryker match. And Matt Stryker, they're really pushing him at this point. I don't know if you noticed, but on the top five rankings, he was uh, number three, which, uh, by the way, what'd you think? I don't know if you'd even noticed, but. What do you think of the rankings that they were going with here? So I, I, I like their rankings because it seemed as if the people that they were in the top rankings were getting title matches. Rankings right. are good when you're actually using them for what they're intended to do, but rankings aren't so great when you've got a top ten and the person who's number nine is challenging for the championship because that doesn't make any fucking sense. So mm. I'm fine with it because they're they're uh, they're they're doing what they're supposed to do with the ranking system, at least from what I've seen so far. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And that was that, that was like a commentary would push that along like, oh, he's in he's number three. But if he wins this, maybe he'll get pushed up to number one or whatever. So added some stakes to a lot of the matches. Uh, but ultimately, just incredible hits a that's incredible tombstone pile driver for like a one count. Was there like a botch here? Because the crowd seemed to be like, you fucked up. But it just seemed like a kick out to me. Or did, do you remember that? Yeah, spot? I, I, re- I remember him kicking out early, which was a surprise because he hit like a fucking pal driver or something. And you yeah. see a one. I think that might have been why it looked like it was a botch, because you just don't expect a one count from there. But it didn't seem like a botch to me. It looked like he just got his shoulder up. Yeah. Fighting spirit and all that. But uh, Matt Stryker ends up hitting a Death Valley driver, which he calls the brow because he has a unibrow. He stole Anthony Davis stole that shit. From Matt Stryker, he did. From Matt, he was watching ROH and said, "That's it. I'm gonna be the brow. I'm gonna be the new. I'm gonna be the Matt Stryker of basketball." <laughs> yeah, who would want to be that? <laughs> it's what it's what everybody strives to be. 
If I could just be the Matt Striker of basketball. I mean, we're just trying to be the Matt Strikers of podcasting. That's all. That's I all I ever hope to be. Yeah. But uh, I liked how, like, the end, there was, like, a big struggle for that Death Valley driver. Like, Credible kept countering. He ended up, like, rolling him up in a crucifix. But Striker like, rolled through, put him back up, and then hit it. So, um, lands it. Beats just incredible. And a uh, pretty big win for old yeah. uh, Strikey Boy. Very fun match. I enjoyed that match a lot. Big, so you're a big striker guy is what I'm gathering. At this point, yeah, because we're going to talk about his next match on the next show, which I think he faced uh, BJ Whitmore. And yes, I sir. thought that that was a really, really good match, too. It had a lot of technical wrestling. They got into some high spots when they needed to, but there wasn't too much. It was hard hitting. I really enjoyed that one. Yeah. And it was a uh, at stakes to it. It was for to get into the field of honor tournament which the field of honor is like, like commentary is like, if you know what it is, can you call Colt Cabana and let him know? Cause he's very confused. He doesn't know what's going on to this day. A steals <laughs> like, I'm going to fucking bite somebody. If somebody doesn't fucking tell me what the field of honor is, I swear to God, I will bite a motherfucker. Brother, this show started with a big, like close up of a steal. And it's like, if there's anybody in this world, that's going to bite me. It's this guy right yeah, here. He has, guy. I'm going to fucking bite you. face. <laughs> it's uh yeah it's something but uh no biting in this match Matt striker and bj whitmer on the second night so the winner gets into the field of honor tournament which is going to be a eight-man round robin tournament and i don't know if it's for the pure title or if it's just like a tournament um i assume they get a title shot of some sort the winner does uh it, it strikes me as like a bunch of guys that are like on the cusp of being a main event guy but need like a big win so makes sense to me i suppose but good way to get it's a good way to get over an underneath guy to you know a bigger status have him win a tournament you know yeah it's a good way to get time time tested uh way of doing it i suppose but uh yeah good stuff here a lot of suplexes a lot of submissions there's a lot of points where they're like mirroring each other like a guy will do a fucking dragon screw and then a submission and then the other guy will do the same thing and so yeah good storytelling from that aspect but towards the end uh bj goes for his exploder but uh matt striker fights out of it and bj like grabs his arm and tucks it under him and then he hits it um but then they it was it's for a two count i believe and then they both get up they both go for rolling elbows they both hit it double knockout or i'm sorry it ends up being a time limit draw but yeah. they're both essentially knocked out and then um, the crowd's like, five more minutes is bullshit, all that. And then Gary Michael Capetta comes out, who's like the on-screen commissioner guy. He's like, you know what? You're both in it. And then everybody's happy, and then they all kiss. So, kiss uh, And like if something like if WWE did something like that now, people would be on the internet just bitching and moaning. What do you mean? <laughs> and imagine how they're both in it? That's stupid. Yeah. it's. I love Gary Michael fun. Capetta as the voice of reason. That makes me really happy. I don't know why, but it does. <sighs> he's he's a very, I don't know how to describe Gary Michael Capetta. He's very like, not jittery, but he's just like a very feathery man. You know? Feathery is a fucking great way to put it. I never <laughs> thought of it like that, but you were right. He is one feathery motherfucker, isn't he? He's an excitable boy. But uh, yeah, like you said, he's laying down the law here. So putting his big fat cock on the table and they need to hire him as the general manager of NXT. Then we fucking make sense of all this sometimes. There we go. And then when war games comes ahead, he's like war games. 
Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for War Games. Like that. Wasn't he a ring? He was a ring announcer, right? Yeah, he was. Yeah, that's right. That's probably why it makes me so happy because he's like the early days of WCW ring announcer, and so it takes me back to my younger years hearing his voice. Right. (laughs) What a uh, what what a journey his career's been. Old school WCW ring announcer, and now an on screen manager for Ring of Honor. Who would have thunk it? Who would have thunk it? Not me. Not me. (laughs) Not this. Not this wrestling podcaster. I'll tell you that much. (laughs) (laughs) But um. We were talking about a scramble match earlier, that tag map, that tag scramble. But then we had a singles scramble on night one as well. Listen to these names. We got Scoot Andrews versus. <laughs> Sorry. Are no. you disrespecting the black nature boy? He's. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no, he's. Woo. Yeah. Wow. I didn't realize he was calling himself the, the, the African-American nature boy. Scoot Andrews. <laughs> Watch out for Scoot. Scoot's going to kill you? I don't know. Don't call um, me Scott Scoot Andrews on his way to the ring. Here. <laughs> that would have been better better than the Black Nature Boy, to be fair. That's true. Because well, he didn't I, really have the Black Nature Boy Scoot Andrews. That's just <laughs> ridiculous. Not even like Rick, like Richard Fire or something, like something similar to Ric Flair. No, right. Scoot Andrews. Scoot fucking Andy. Nothing about him was remotely Ric Flair-esque, but uh No. I don't know. But we have Scoot Andrews versus Michael Shane, the cousin of Shawn Michaels. If you're not oh, they're aware. cousins, huh? Yeah, if you couldn't tell. So I knew that um, he was like the first graduate of the whatever Texas wrestling school or whatever Shawn Michaels had, but I didn't yeah, know yeah. that they were cousins. Yeah, he went to the same school as Fast Eddie and Don Juan. Oh, so they helped. Did they know Fast Eddie before he lost his eyesight, or has he been blind his whole life? I think Michael Shane actually made him blind by uh, giving him a sweet chin music. I was going to say he super kicked him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's probably what happened um, to Shawn Michaels' eyes. Michael Shane <laughs> super kicked him at a Christmas family Christmas, and now his fucking eyes crooked. That's probably what happened. Do you think Michael Shane did it? <laughs> it was Michael Shane. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was Michael Shane all along, pal. <laughs> exactly. That goddamn Michael Shane. <laughs> Well, um, Scoot Andrews, unfortunately, is not the most ridiculous name in this match because we got Slick Wagner Brown. (laughs) Slick spelled S-L-Y-K. Slick Wagner Brown versus Hot Stuff Hernandez. Hot Stuff. Ladies, get your dollar bills ready. Coming to the main stage, it's Hot Stuff Hernandez. If Hernandez wanted to, he could make a killing in the stripping industry. He does have he does have the body for it, doesn't he? That's probably where he got. Let's be honest with ourselves. That's probably where he got the name. Before he got into wrestling, he's probably stripping. You know what? I bet you're right. Like <laughs> I don't know if you're joking, but I, I think he might be. He you see he has that he, like he looks like he, he can move his hips. You know, you know right. when you see a guy and you're like, that fella can can shake it. You know? Yeah, that guy's a salsa dancer. I can tell by looking at him. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, you often see that in nebraska i'm sure all the time we've got many salsa dancers That's in nebraska say. salsa dances when you eat some uh, spicy salsa and it makes you shake That's oh, okay. and then nebraska. you can see the shits right <laughs> um <laughs> but then we got by the way slick wagner brown is out here with april hunter who uh looks like blonde china to me a beefy gal, she's I would a, describe her. I'm pretty sure. I'm, don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure she's a porn star. <clears throat> I, You know what? 
I thought the name sounded familiar. Um, but let's let's do our research. We are journalists, Steph. It was funny because you looked like you were gonna click something, like you had your hand on your mouse and you're gonna click something. And I was like, please don't tell me he has a clip from April Hunter into porno because I don't <laughs> I don't want I don't want to watch. <laughs> um Okay, I'm go- I googled her, and porn didn't come up. Oh, so. well, that must not be true. I think well, she she was in TNA at one point. Maybe oh, that's where maybe that's from. where I remember her name from. It oh, was- she was in WCW, too. Really? Look at that. She was. Oh, she was in Playboy. So huh? kind of on the right track Close. here. Uh, former, I, I knew I'd seen that chick naked. Was she just point. like a uh, Nitro Girl or something? She must know. have been. Oh, I think she was just like a valet for the NWO. So she was very much a background. Oh, uh, she, I thought maybe she was one of Scott Steiner's freaks, maybe. She might have been. Yeah. She might have been. It didn't make the Wikipedia, though. That's Pig Papa Pump is your hookup. Holler if you hear me. That's what they say. That's um, <laughs> So we have this four-way survival match with all of these characters. I don't know, man. My main takeaway here was Hernandez is a fucking monster. And he made all these guys look like little bitches. Um, just a just 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 a big fella, just a corn-fed Mexican gentleman is how I would describe him. You said corn-fed because I'm from Nebraska, didn't you? I'm trying to relate to you, man. I'm trying to make <laughs> you feel comfortable. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. Um, but yeah, it kind of starts off kind of slow, but then you got people diving all over the place. You got a. I, I noted this as a four-way net breaker DDT leg drop, so. Put that together in your head. It's a thing that happened. Pretty fair, yeah. Uh, Slick Wagner does an Asai moonsault and Fast Eddie's himself lands right on the barricade. You got Hernandez jumping the border over the rail. Okay, sorry. I think that's what he called it in TNA. Um, right. We didn't make that up boss. here, okay? <laughs> he said it himself. We didn't make that up. Yeah, like you had to get here somehow. But uh, Hernandez topes over the top rope and then uh, Slick... Slick Wagner um, throws him in the ring and tries to do a shooting star press onto Hernandez, but damn near Brock Lesnar's himself. Yeah, I was literally, is that guy dead? (laughs) He was an inch away from paralyzation, the Slick Wagner Brown. But then as all this carnage is happening, Scoot Andrews is throwing out pile drivers. It's, It's carnage. But then Michael Shane just wins with the Fisherman DDT, so... Uh, yeah, the cousin of HBK gets the gets the Duke here over Scoot, Slick, and Hot Stuff. What I like about these four way matches is that they have to like tag people in, and it's not just like four people running everywhere. And I wish you yeah. get more of that now in wrestling because like I can't stand triple threat or four or four way matches anymore because it's just the same shit where you got two guys in the ring, two guys laying outside, or right. you know, just, it doesn't work for me. So I did like the the concept that you could tag in and out. This match did get a little bit sloppy at times, uh, but I would say Hot Body Hernandez was the star of the match, and how could he not be? His name's Hot Body Hernandez. Right, exactly, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Hot Body Hernandez. That's it should make a comeback. He's still out there wrestling. Yeah, I believe so. Might as well just throw a hot body or a hot stuff in front of it and then uh, call it a day. You have a new stripper gimmick. I, I think it works. You bring a pole to the ring with him. There we go. Is Somebody, he, uh, anybody got Scott Demore's email? I'm going to send that. <laughs> what was the uh, the fat chick thrillers? Was yeah. that? Buff Bagwell and uh, Mike Awesome. Mike Awesome. Yeah, that could be like a, it could be a reinvention of that. We could workshop it. I like it. I think I think we have, there's a lot of money left on the table. Hot body Hernandez, hit us up. We got an idea. <laughs> Just fucking forty five year old Hernandez. There was a beater. guy in WCW called Hard Body 
Harrison, and he ended up being like a terrible person. But anyway, I don't um, know why. I don't know why I thought <laughs> it's just hard body Harrison, hard body. I don't know. You often think of hard body Harrison. I, also, I think of life. hard bodies all the time. Well, I got a couple hard bodies for you right here because uh, we got the HWA heavyweight title number one contendership on the line. Who's your favorite HWA wrestler of all time? Uh, N- Nigel McGuinness. Because <laughs> that's it's not ch- it's not Chet the Jet Jablonski. If Hold your name on, was I, Chet Jablonski, and you want to be a <laughs> fucking wrestler, wouldn't you just change it? Why would you keep Chet Jablonski? That's something like a hockey player. <laughs> that's that's not all. He's the czar of high flying kick ass. The Chet the Jet Jablonski. No. Out here looking like the third member of Chronic. He He's, does. Uh, <laughs> he does. <laughs> the lost member of Chronic. Yeah. Chet the Jet Jablonski. Look, he was better than those guys when they were in Chronic. So I mean, all the uh, that's true. All the love to him. But uh, yeah, we got the debut of Nigel McGinnis going against Chet Jablonski. And uh, I guess HWA, a local Ohio promotion, and uh, giving some guys a spotlight that haven't gotten it yet. But uh, seeing Nigel McGinnis in this spot is hilarious to see because he would end up being a uh, Mount Rushmore Ring of Honor type guy. Um, so this is like his first this is his first ROH match was this one? It sure is. Okay. First time. But it seemed like people were pretty. I guess it's he's a local wrestler, so people are familiar with him. But. He got a pretty big pop when he came out. So. Yeah, I mean, he was slapping hands with everybody around ringside. I just assumed that he had been there multiple times by the crowd reaction that he got. So Yeah. No, this is his first time. And um, it was very... I don't know how much Nigel McGuinness you've watched. Because I, I started watching Ring of Honor when he was, like, the world champion. So I've seen a, a good amount of him. But um, he's he's way, he's a little more high fly here. Because he would go on to be very... Um, strong strikey like a lot of lariats and sub- submissions like and british stuff like style that wrestling yeah like classic british style wrestling whereas here he's doing like run-up arm drags and fancy maneuvers and stuff like that although there was a good amount of like european like counters and transitions and stuff which was fun to see because he didn't see a lot of that on these shows um he had to, he had to alter his skills to jet the jet jablonski <laughs> because he flies around the ring like well, a Montreal Canadian. <laughs> you don't think the Jet can handle Nigel's skills? Is that what you're telling me? I'm just saying, no, he can. But Nigel had to had to re, had to readjust his 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 repertoire because of Chet, the Jet Skablonski's uh, prowess. Is the word I'm right? So you're saying Nigel was watching tape of Jet the Jet all night in preparation for this match? I mean, who doesn't? <laughs> you don't go to bed watching Chet the Jet Jablonski matches? I mean, I will now. i got a whole mixtape, I think. <laughs> I'm going to name my firstborn Chet the Jet Jablonski. That's, that's going to be his first name. <laughs> <laughs> that would be something. Um, but yeah. You'll sign that on the birth certificate, then you'll sign divorce papers because you'll be <laughs> divorced after that. <laughs> yeah, worth it. But um, Solid match, though, you know ridiculous name aside yeah pretty solid match uh chet had some fun power moves you know next stop driver spine busters sentons but then nigel ends up winning as they're like trading roll-ups nigel locks in a uh prawn hold like a some sort of pin uh ends up getting the win so nigel gets the win 
and is the number one contender for the HWA title. But uh, yeah, good showing from both guys, I guess. But I don't know where the jet goes from here. But obviously, Nigel becomes a, a pretty big deal. He becomes the HWA champion. So that's something. That is what you, something. What does HWA stand for? Do you know? If you don't, just make it up. You know what? Um, hot, hot body wrestling association. <laughs> I think. <laughs> just put the beat in there anyway. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Well, that happens. Yeah. But another thing that happens, well, I guess, you know, we were talking about the field of honor earlier. We might as well kind of tie a bow on it. Um, first of all, Colt, Colt Cabana, a steal the whole first show. They're walking around. They're talking to everybody they could find, whether it's Chris Saban or Nigel McGuinness or uh, who else did they talk? They, they're talking to everybody. Fucking God, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but it was uh, they're trying to figure out what the field of honor is because nobody knows. Nobody knows. But um, they end up finding out, and it's a whole thing. But yeah. on the way there, they have a little tag team match. So it's Ace Steel and Colt Cabana versus Alex Shelley and Jimmy Jacobs. And uh, I don't know how much you know about Jimmy Jacobs, but this is not the gimmick that I associate him with. So I don't know a whole lot about Jimmy Jacobs other than the fact that he was a writer, for, or he, he worked for WWE for a while. So that's really all I know about him. I know he's been, you know, on the indies and doing stuff in wrestling for fucking ever. Um, yeah. So, I, yeah, my knowledge of him is. But, like, from what I've seen of him, but this is not, you know, the the Jimmy Jacobs that I've, you know, seen, you know, on, right. the, on social media and shit. You're right, yeah. Because he would go on to lead the Age of the Fall faction, which is a very, like, emo boy, you know, black eyeliner kind of faction, um, which is where Tyler Black a.k.a. Seth Rollins, broke out. and Wow. Um, Joey Mercury was in there, too. There was a couple guys in there. But um, here, Jimmy Jacobs, is an early iteration of him, he's, a, I guess, a Bruiser Brody type, if you want to call it that. Huss, huss, huss. Yeah. I don't know what this deal is. I know. That's that his too. thing. Huss. He has it on his tights. He uh, goes by the Barbaric Berserker. Jimmy Jacobs. Have you ever seen the, the? He was like a WWF guy back in the nineties. The, the the Berserker. He would do that same thing. Oh yeah. Huff, huff, huff. Oh okay. I've never like watched a match of his, but okay. I know who he is. Okay. So I just did a show, you know, on Friday night. We watched a match of him versus Mister Perfect, and I made the same correlation of like he's it's kind of like a Bruiser Brody gimmick, but like yeah, with yeah. an edge. So right. maybe that's he's trying to be Bruiser Brody and the Berserker, which I don't know if I would want to be the Berserker if I was trying to have a successful wrestling career. <laughs> well, he would pivot, I guess, eventually. But uh, for now, he's in there with his Uggs and his. Um, yeah, just doing his thing. And then you have Alex Shelley just being Alex Shelley. Like he's very like kind of a, a sub because he's, he's like a very charismatic guy. But for now, because Jimmy Jacobs and Alex Shelley are both like a year or two into wrestling. Yeah. And so very early days going against the Second City Saints here. But uh, pretty <laughs> there's a note on commentary. There's a line. I forget what exactly it was, but uh, they're going over the code of honor, like all the commandments or whatever. And one of them's no sneak attacks. And then one of the guys on commentary is like, yeah, so I guess if the Japanese in 1941 were in Ring of Honor, they would <laughs> get a lot of strikes against them. <laughs> Like back in the day, Bob uh, Gorilla Monsoon. Anytime anyone would sneak attack somebody, he would go, "Oh, Pearl Harbor job." He would say it every <laughs> single time. And now I do that with my dogs. Like I have three dogs, and if two of them are fighting, uh, and one of them tries to sneak up behind for a sneak attack, I go, "Hey, no Pearl Harbor jobs." Uh, okay? 
It's fantastic. Uh, well, the match is pretty good. Um, and anything stick out to you? I enjoyed Steel and, and Cabana as a tag team because I never. I mean, I've never seen Ace Steel wrestle in my life, and I haven't seen a whole lot right. of Colt Cabana either. And when you think of Colt Cabana, you don't really think of serious wrestling. You think of kind of like comedy wrestling. But he was very, mm-hmm. very serious in this match, and it kind of started off slow, but it picked up towards the end. And I'd like to see more of the the Second City Saints in the ring. Yeah, Colt's definitely he like. When he came to Ring of Honor, he started out very serious, but he's like slowly transitioning into that comedy guy, like with all the backstage segments and stuff like that. Um, there was one spot in this match where what even happens? I think Ace Steel was sitting on the top rope. Jimmy Jacobs tries to do like a wheelbarrow bulldog off the top rope, but Ace like throws him. But Jimmy Jacobs lands on Colt and does a hurricane run. Like there were some crazy spots in this match. Um a steel hits a top rope widow's peak onto one of the guys. Yeah, like if a... I had watched this back in 2003, which is like when I first graduated from high school, my mind would have fucking exploded to see some of the stuff that happens in the, on these shows, especially like what you were just talking about, the whole sequence right that, into the Hurricane Rana. Yeah, my mind would have exploded. I wouldn't have known what to do. Even by today's standards, like a lot of this stuff was really smooth. Um, well, if you want to call it that, because the, <laughs> the finish is damn near, uh, I don't know how... Because because Colt, they do this double team move, Colt and Ace Steel, because Colt's finisher is the Colt 45, which is like a butterfly backbreaker. But then Ace Steel comes off with a neckbreaker. So what ends up happening is I think it's Jimmy Jacobs gets planted with like a pile driver type move, but just like whipped down by Ace Steel. It looked brutal. Uh at least it was the finish, I guess. I mean, yeah. goddamn pal. <laughs> it <laughs> looks like they're going to have to get a fucking wheelchair to get JB Jacobs out of there. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that knocked the huss out of him. Maybe that's what made yeah, his gimmick change. Yeah. He knocked the berserker right out of him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah. So um, what else? What else we got here? Any, any Anything during these shows that you, you're really uh, itch, itching to gander at? So the the uh, the Xavier versus uh, Christopher Daniels number one contender trophy yes. match was really really good. I never I've never heard of Xavier or seen anything that Xavier has done. Um, I guess he's in the prophecy too from from yes. what I heard on commentary in this. But this was just an amazing back and forth match. Uh, both guys kind of cheat, kind of trying to cheat each other, but not being able to. And then mm-hmm. Daniels does outsmart him in the end to get the win. I really enjoyed this match. It was it was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, so Xavier was the second ever Ring of Honor champion. He, because he started out in Ring of Honor as just like a mid card babyface kind of guy, but then he beat Loki with the help of the prophecy, turning heel in the process, and then joining the faction. And then uh, a couple a couple months ago, he lost the titles to Samoa Joe, which I think Xavier was legit injured in that match, like concussions or something. Yeah, because so I think he, they, they were saying on commentary that he hadn't wrestled in like five months or something like that. Yeah. So this is his return match, and um, he's going against Christopher Daniels. And this is for the number one contendership, by the way, this match. And I guess Xavier's still in the prophecy at this point, but there's still like because Xavier didn't. I guess there's a whole thing where like Xavier came back, but he didn't tell Daniels that he was coming back. So there was kind of a mistrust there. And then before the match even gets underway, Xavier grabs the mic and he's like, you know what? I was the champion. You weren't Daniels. So I think we all know that I'm better. So I think maybe you should just go ahead and lay down, go ahead and lay down and then we can just call it a day. And then Daniels is like, look, you wouldn't have been Ring of Honor champion had it not been for me. 
you don't you're not the leader of this group because you don't have the smarts for it and all that stuff. So he's like, and then Daniels is like, I don't even need you to lay down because I'm going to put you down. So Daniels is pretty much the baby face in this situation. Um, but yeah, really good match. Really fun back and forth, fourth match. It was different. It wasn't like the spotty kind of like strong style throw you on your neck kind of match that a lot of these matches were. It felt like more of a traditional match. So it was a good change of pace here. There, someone in the fan heckled Daniels like at the beginning of this. I, did, did you catch what they said? No, I didn't catch it. It was something about paying child support or something. I don't know if like <laughs> Daniels got divorced or so. I don't know what the deal was, but Daniels like spent like a good like minute or two like, hey, what? G- give me your give me your best one. Like just going back and forth with this guy. Um, but then they eventually start wrestling again. And uh Xavier does this because they, they're going back and forth in the ring. It eventually breaks down and gets to the, to the outside. Daniels is on the outside. Xavier goes to the top rope and does this. He jumps to the rope, does a split leg moonsault, like jumps from the top rope to the rope, lands on the rope, does a split leg moonsault and almost like over rotates. But I guess Daniels caught him. But that was by far probably the most crazy spot of this match for sure. He's lucky that Daniels caught him because I would have. He probably would have impaled his ball sack on the um, guardrail if he had. And nobody wants that. Nobody, you know. no, not a, nobody at all. No, there's probably at least one person that would like that. We all have somebody, kinks. Somebody really hates Xavier, maybe. <laughs> um, but then towards the end, Daniels goes for the best moonsault ever. It misses. Xavier is able to hit the 450, but he can't capitalize because he's had his ribs worked on the entire match. Um. The ending stretch here is pretty high paced. They're trading roll ups, countering, countering. Angel's wings is countered. The X breaker is countered. X uh, Xavier rolls him up, puts his feet on the ropes, but the ref sees it. But then Daniels capitalizes and rolls him up with the tights held, but the ref doesn't see it. So like you said, Daniels ends up outsmarting him to get the win here and becomes number one contender and will face Samoa Joe at glory by honor. But, uh, yeah, I love the storytelling of this match. Love the pace of it, and uh, really tickled my pickle. I 100 percent agree. My pickle, my tickle, my pickle was also tickled. That's hard to get out. You're, you're just all flustered because your pickle's tickled. Yeah, that's right. I that's think. Right. God damn. <laughs> it's hard to talk when you're. It is. It really is. Cock is. Uh... <laughs> so we got a Samoa Joe match versus. <laughs> so the first night, Samoa Joe defends his Ring of Honor title against BJ Whitmer. And uh, BJ, also kind of a hometown guy, I suppose. He uh, comes in wearing a mask. I guess his nose was broken. I don't know if it was or wasn't or what the deal there is there. But he loses the mask almost immediately. Um, Ends up being a very hard-hitting match. A lot of suplexes, a lot of strong strikes. Uh, Samoa Joe busting out the old leg kicks. So when he, like, sits the guy down in the corner between the barricades and, like, kicks his face into him. Yeah. Really good stuff there. Um, yeah, what do you think about this match? This one was fine. I don't know. For me, it wasn't really that great. Um, I don't know what it was about. I just couldn't really get into it. There's a, there was another match that Whitmore had the next night with Matt Stryker that I thought was really good. But for mm-hmm. some reason, this one just, just didn't click for me. Samoa Joe also has a, a match the next night, which I'm sure we'll talk about with CM Punk, which is awesome for mm-hmm. me because I've never actually seen CM Punk and Samoa Joe wrestle each other. Because the oh, only yeah. time I ever seen CM Punk was with WWE, and the only time I ever seen Samoa Joe was really in TNA and WWE, and they were never there at the same time. So for me, right. that was all brand new. So I thought that was really cool. But for this one, it was okay, but it just didn't really click for me. It had a fun like last two minutes, 
but otherwise, like, I, I agree with you. It didn't really click with me. Um, but ultimately, like, there's, like, BJ hits his Exploder, which is his finisher. Uh, gets a fun near fall. Another, like, backdrop driver type of move for another near fall. But then Samojo hits a, a triple suplex. I think in... I think he ends up calling it like the Camara Plex or something, where it's like a uh, a German suplex followed by a Dragon suplex followed by a Tiger suplex, and that gives Samoa Joe the win. I kind of like Samoa Joe in this era because he's kind of like Walter, like he doesn't really have a finisher; he just kind of hits the guy until they stay down. Yeah, because he always he always ends the match like in a different move. But um, Samoa Joe gets the win here, uh, puts him over. I guess clearly he's the champion. Right. Um, and BJ looks good in defeat, I guess, and then goes on to be in the field of honor. So all's well that ends well, I guess. It all worked out for BJ Whitmore in the end. BJ. Yeah. He was with yeah, R- R- for fucking ever. <clears throat> he was um like a judge on the pure title match at uh, the last pay-per-view they did, I think. Huh. So, so he's still in the picture a little bit. Um, yeah, because I remember when I first started watching R.H., he had like a fight without honor against Steve Carino, and this was in like 2014 or 2015. And this oh, shit was really? like, yeah, it was super fucking brutal. And it's always a match that I think of, and I go back to when I think of like hardcore matches because they like they were bleeding everywhere, and then Steve Carino gets like a whole thing of fucking rubbing alcohol and like takes uh, the lid and pulls the tab off and pours it all over his head, and it was it was a sight to see. I didn't know B.J. was wrestling that long. Yeah, he was bald. He was bald by that time. That bald BJ. Was gone. Was that his name? Bald, bald BJ? BJ? Everybody loves a bald BJ. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be that. that. That's just audio from you that I have now that I'll Good. use uh, however that. I want. I hope, that, I hope you make that into a ringtone. <laughs> <laughs> it's my alarm in the morning. My Great. wife's like, what the hell is that? Um, Mind your own business. <laughs> take a hit. <laughs> But speaking of bald BJs, we got a uh, non-title match between Samoa Joe and CM Punk, which you just referenced. And uh, non-title, it's like whatever, because Samoa Joe and Punk are both in the middle of feuds at this point. So this is really just an exhibition match. So I was I was fine with it, I guess, because Punk is in the middle of his feud with Raven and Punk is going to uh, he ends up challenging him or Raven challenges him. I forget which way it is, but they're going to have a uh, clockwork orange house of fun match at uh the, the next show i believe and wow. uh Smell Joe's, 21 days they said it on commentary 108 that's times. right that's right and smell joe is going on to face daniels so they're both kind of focused on other guys but it's like you know what while we're here we might as well kick the shit out of each other and um th- this is definitely i don't know i forget how ex- exactly how many matches they had with each other but they would go on to have a lot more epic matches but for the for what this was for their first time meeting each other, I thought this was uh, damn good. What do you think about it? Yeah, no, same. It was really, really good. Punk's promo, too, before uh, the match was also really, really good. It gave me, like, um, CM Punk when he was doing the Straight Edge Society vibes is kind of what that gave me by the way he was talking. Yeah. Um, but So I love that promo. And then, yeah, the hard-hitting just back-and-forth stuff. It's everything that you would expect from a CM Punk-Samoa Joe match. And I- I'm going to probably continue to watch these shows because I want to see more of them face each other just because I haven't seen it. I mm. like the part where, you know, Joe puts him in the chair and then he kind of runs around the ring but punk bails out <laughs> and then punk does the same thing and yeah the, I, I i love this match it was a lot of fun yeah yeah they would go on to have literally like some of the best matches ever like in, in the upcoming year or two so definitely recommend that but uh 
this one was good too. You have, uh, I think they're both kind of injured during this match too. And Punk has, Punk's coming off a tour of Japan and he wrestled like a bunch. So he had like his knees fucked up and Joe, I guess, injured his elbow in his match with BJ. So they're both kind of taped up, mummies in there, but still very hard hitting. And uh, yeah, like you said, they, they're both like trying to kick each other in, into the barricade, but they keep countering. Um, Joe attacks Punk's knee with chops, which is an interesting strategy. I don't know if I would chop somebody's knee. No, I feel uh, like that would hurt your hand. You would think, but I guess yeah. I'm not going to tell Smojo what to do. I'm certainly, yes. Like I said, he'll choke the fuck out of me. <laughs> yeah. um, and then Punk's attacking Joe's arm, of course. A solid uh, psychology here. If Punk does like the old school, so he, like he walks the ropes, but instead of coming down with a clubbing blow, he like hits a leg drop on Joe's arm, which was a fun spot. Uh, Joe counters a shining wizard with a dragon screw, like like a midair. I don't even know how physically that happened, but it was like in midair he did it, and then locks in a brutal single leg crab, and Punk taps out, just bending him in half. But it makes sense. Because why would Punk stay in this if he has a cage match in 21 days and right. this isn't even for the title? So it's like, it all makes sense. And then Christopher Daniels attacks after, hits the Angels wings on Samoa Joe, building to their title match at Glory by Honor. So all uh, good stuff here. Good and they shook here. hands at the end, so that was nice. Yeah, Joe just gets his ass kicked. He's like, well, anyways, Fair. like I was saying. <laughs> yeah. The funny thing, too, is like seeing Punk all night was like, where's Christopher Daniels? And then Daniels is out here beating up Samoa Joe, and he didn't fucking confront him then, did he? <laughs> well, he tried to. His knee was That's hurt. That's true. Though. He did try. He was, he was hobbling. He was a hobbling boy. But uh, personally, if I were to, like, look at this month and pick an MVP, I kind of mentioned this earlier, but I would probably give it to Homicide because had a ton of matches. We talked about his matches with Saban and Prince Nana earlier and his the main event tag match from the first night, but my probably my favorite match of this entire month was his no holds barred match with Mr. Steve Carino. And uh, I would say there was a good amount of blood in this match. Would you agree or disagree? <laughs> yeah, I would say yeah. there was a, a decent amount of color in this one. Yeah, it was comical how much homicide was bleeding in this match. It was just I don't know if I've ever seen anybody bleed that much. Maybe like John Cena that one time in like oh, 2005 or whatever. Or against JBL in that oh, I quit one, match. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, or Umaga like, too. Who else is it, it, I think it was the same person. Or New Jack used to bleed a lot too. And it gave me some mm. New Jack vibes seeing yes. you know, all the blood coming off of Homicide. It's like every square inch of his face was red. It was and insane. And then like Carino was like taking his fingers and like oh. putting in the cuts. And man... <laughs> The funniest thing was when they're when they're in, when they're 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 introducing them right, and they just start talking about every <laughs> single title that Steve Carino has ever won. He's the right. XWPW World Heavyweight Champion. He won the Spelling Bee in uh, Parkview High School in the twelfth grade. He uh, <laughs> ran track and won a silver medal. <laughs> just everything that he had ever done in his entire life, they laid it out. Dude, it was like those couldn't have all been real titles. It was like. The HPA Intercontinental U.S. Tag Team Champ. Like, what What are we doing here? But all of a sudden gets a chair and just sat down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bobby, because I guess I think I don't think Bobby Cruz was the ring announcer the entire night. I think Carino, it was like Carino's personal yeah. ring announcer. 
he like basically brought him in because Karina was just being a dick here. He like, yeah, read all my accolades. I haven't been here in a while. And that's kind of like like a quick overview of the backstory. So Steve Carino, homicide. This all kind of like started just because they were tag teaming and one guy hit the other by accident. And then that old chestnut. Yeah, can these guys get along, right? right. Then, then homicide kind of ramps it up by stabbing Steve Carino with a fork. So that's a whole thing. But then they have a match at the one year anniversary show. And then there's like riots, you know, riots. And right. like Julius Smokes, who you saw with Homicide and his whole crew that's in this match, too. They um, they jumped the barricade. That's where they debuted. But then the whole like crowd, not help the whole crowd, but like a good portion of the crowd jumped the barricade and stormed the ring. And Steve Carino is like. It was an unsafe work environment, I would say. So I'm not going to wrestle here anymore. And Steve Carino just went to Japan and won some titles. And uh, he's currently he comes out here with like three titles, one of which is the MW, MLW championship, which I thought was fun. Wow. Um, MLW has been around good. for a while. I didn't realize he looked like Kenny Omega like a couple years ago. Like, oh, he's the original <laughs> belt collector, I guess. But it was like like the MLW title. And then it was like the Paducah, Kentucky tag team, United States women's right. championship. And then the <laughs> hardcore 24 seven up my ass, you know, uh, yeah. trophy on the other shoulder. So the bleach blonde hair award he had. And right. <laughs> <laughs> Most yellow tights award and, yep. and all of them. Biggest douchebag. I mean, his character, I'm sure he's fine in real life, but his character is a douchebag. You never know. Um, True. But so yes, this is Steve Carino hasn't wrestled in Ring of Honor for quite some time, but he's back here to face off against Homicide. A lot of bad blood here. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's barbed wire almost right from the get go. I think Homicide introduces introduces it. It's just a loose strand of barbed wire, just raking it across the arm of Steve Carino. And uh, well, actually even before that. Chris Chris Lovey, the commentator, loses his mind when Homicide slaps Steve Carino. I don't know if you you like oh, <laughs> were yeah. listening to it, but like he he it's like he just sh- shot him with a gun in the face. It he was, was like, like he slapped. He was like mad, like he slapped his mother. Like he went to his mom's house on Christmas Day and slapped her. That's how mad he was. <laughs> he was I didn't understand what he was so mad about. I'm like I don't I don't get. It, it was I don't know. If, I think maybe Carino because they did the commentary after the fact. So I'm wondering maybe if Carino was legit injured from that slap, maybe like busted an eardrum or something, and they're just trying to put it over. I don't know. Could very well fucking be, because Homicide did slap the fuck out of him. (laughs) It's like of all the things that happened in this match, like that's where we crossed the line. Right. (laughs) We got barbed wire. He was fine with that, but don't (laughs) slap. You don't slap a man. Come on. You don't do that. You don't do that. Did you ever watch the Chappelle show? I did. And yes. so he's talking about, you know, the, the Rick James thing. He's like, you don't slap a man. Even when it was fashionable to slap a man, you know, I challenge you to do it. They would have a gunfight after that. Somebody had to go. So maybe that's why he was so upset. He's like, well, now they're going to have to have a gunfight. This is, this is around the same time period when, when Chappelle show was on. So true, that could man. be could be a parallel. Could there be a we parallel. Go. We just we just uh, fixed the matrix here. Connected the but um, let me ask you, in, in Nebraska, do you guys eat with ghetto forks? Depends on what barbecue you're at. You know. <laughs> no, no, we don't. We don't. <laughs> well, homicide does because uh, I don't know if you're familiar. A ghetto fork is a fork, but sharper. So, oh, I thought it was like a prison shank or something. I think it is. Okay, but it's also a fork. You know, it's you a, can use it for a, both. It's a prison shank that you make out of a fork. Right. Okay. Correct. Um, <laughs> homicide busts it out. 
forks Steve Carino's arm. This Oof. is after the barbed wire. So it's just Steve Carino. I don't think he got color on his face, but his arms were all busted up. Oh, yeah. His arms were really bleeding. Oof. Um, then we have uh, in the ring, more barbed wire. Steve Carino hits a big old pile driver on homicide for a two count. Throws him right outside. Pile driver through the ringside table. And um, they brawl around the ring. I think Homicide ends up getting busted open on a barricade, right? Yeah, they, we slammed his head into the barricade. Because they slammed his head into the barricade before he even got the barbed wire out. Right, right. Um, but he's just gushing blood. Just like a, a, an obtuse amount of, of red here. Uh, Steve Carino in the ring. It's Tornado DDT. But um, Homicide gets right back up. Hits a Shining Wizard. Goes for the pin. Two counts. Um, just back and forth towards the end here. You have Homicide goes for his tope con Hilo on the outside, but misses and lands back first on the barricade. I literally Ouch. thought that they were going to stop the match at that point because I was like, I don't even know if he's even living anymore because he hit that so fucking hard that I thought, well, he's dead. <laughs> it's like such a common occurrence too in Ring of Honor. Like we even saw it with like slick slick Wagner Brown doing the moonsault landing on the barricade and fast Eddie just clearing it completely. It's just like maybe we should push this bad boy back. I don't know. <laughs> right. <laughs> but like ten, ten inches back, I think might help us all. That'll do. That'll do. Um but in the ring. So there their previous match, Steve Carino won by capitalizing on a missed tope. Throwing homicide in the ring and then locking it, locking in the Cobra clutch for a tap out submission. So they try to replicate that here, but homicide eventually gets to the ropes to break it up. Steve Carino at some point blows snot into the crowd, mm. which is yeah. <laughs> with the lighting in the background. It was just it, poof, it just shot so out much. There, yeah. I was disgusted. <laughs> That's probably one of his titles, snot blowing champion of the yeah, Western right. Hemisphere. He is the snot blowing champion of the South. Yeah. <laughs> um, another top rope ace crusher for a two count. Might need to homicide needs to work on his uh, ace crushing uh, technique. I think apparently not as good as it is Johnny Ace. Mm, well, nobody's yeah. good. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. He was Come a dynamic now. dude, bro. Dynamic douche. <laughs> Come on. Still a dynamic douche. Yeah, he is. Uh, Steve Carino hits an uh, attitude adjustment, looks like, for a two count. Uh, Homicide hits a scoop tombstone for a two count. So it, towards the end here, it's just like somebody hits a big move and then it takes a while to recover. So it's really putting over how much uh, is being taken out of both these guys. Um, and Homicide's, you know, consistently attacking the neck, which if you know Homicide, his finisher is the cop killer, which is the vertebraker, the Kudo driver, whatever it has it's had a bunch what, of names. What Sugar it, Shane Helms used to do. Right, right, yeah. of course. Um, so at the whole time, I'm like, it's going to happen because he's attacking the neck the whole time. Homicide rips his elbow pad off. Big lariat for a two count. Locks in the STF. And then Guillotine Legrand, who I don't think we've even brought up at this point, but he's like Steve Crino's buddy, I guess. Uh, he's not his best friend though because cw anderson is his best friend they made that very clear what a shitty group of friends <laughs> when they said he's not my best friend cw anderson is his best friend i said well his friends fucking suck don't they <laughs> what a bummer of a hang that sounds like no wonder steve carino's in such a bad mood all the time his <laughs> friends suck just hanging around a bunch of duds yeah uh they might be good guys who knows, who knows? but uh 
I mean, you got if, if, with the name Guillotine, you got to be a pretty cool guy, I guess. Well, I don't know. Look at his face. He looks like he does weird things in movie theaters. Just saying. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah, doesn't, yeah. He, doesn't he look like he's the guy in the back tugging at the movie theater? That's him. Yeah, he has creepy stepdad vibes for sure. He, he absolutely does. Absolutely. Like, he drives, he, like I can smell car. him. You know, yeah. you, like, you, you know exactly what he smells like. Yeah, like cigarettes and bacon. Right. It's not like bad, but it's like strong. Right. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that's not it's not good. <laughs> but, but he ends up throwing in the towel. So this uh, leads to the submission of Steve Carino. So Homicide gets the win, even though he's lost gallons of blood. And uh, I don't know, man, just the visual of Homicide standing over Steve Carino. He has like a bottle of water. He's pouring it on him. It's no. Um, what was it? Rubbing alcohol from yeah, no rubbing 2014. Alcohol. But uh, we got built to that. We got, we got yeah, 10 we to work away to rub an alcohol. Just an awesome visual at the end here and a crazy match. Crazy match. Absolutely. If you're going to go back and watch any match on these two shows, if you're going to pick just one, that's the one to do it. Yeah, it was uh, insane. I think they even have a couple more. Who knows? But uh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Homicide is a crazy fellow. Some may say. But um, let's talk about Dan Moff, shall we? Let's. So he, a member of the Prophecy, of course. I'd heard. And the first night, of course, he was involved in that tag title main event. Not successful, but uh, he was there. But uh, the second night, so that whole match we just went over was not the main event. The main event, the match that had to follow that was Dan Moff versus Low Key, which like, okay, they're fine. But why are they following that or even like CM Punk and Samoa Joe put that in the main event. But with how it finished, I guess it makes sense in some sort of way. I don't know. But we got to talk about it. It doesn't make sense. And because like that, because like the match they had in the co-main event was like a big blood feud. They had been feuding for months and we're going to have a no DQ match. And with the way this ended, wouldn't it have made more sense for that to be the second to last match? I don't know. It just, yeah. Like I was watching the the other the you know the homicide match and I'm thinking they don't have time even for the Dan Ma. That something must happen and this must must not happen and but to my surprise it did. Yeah, but um, Dan Moff really built this match up, and so this the whole it's been like so Dan Moff he was like buddies with Loki and Homicide and a couple other guys like a bunch of guys from New York they had this whole like click. But then Dan Moff turned on them, joined the prophecy with Christopher Daniels and all the other prophecy people. So Loki was offended that he would turn his back on his brother like that. But then Dan Moff's like, look, I've just been a background character, a bodyguard type. Now it's my time to shine. And he's going to show Loki in this match. And then he, he cuts his promo. And like the stuff I just talked about, he says. But then he goes on to take it to another level. <laughs> but to sum up. To sum up, um, actually, you know what? Can you sum it up, please? <laughs> so he he says he's go, he's like he's going on and on about how he just Loki is driving him crazy. Everything about Loki is driving him crazy. He's sitting in his own home, the comfort of his own home, and he he's gonna go tuck his child in in into bed at night, right? And like every normal person does, he said this. Like every father does, he asks his daughter, "Who's the best wrestler in the world?" Kyle, I know you don't have any kids. I have a couple of kids. Every mm -hmm. night before when I tuck them into bed, I don't tuck them into bed because they're teenagers, but if I did, I would ask them, 
who's the greatest wrestler in the world? Because that's what parents do. Right. And his daughter said Loki, and he was so angry that he he basically said he wanted to whoop his daughter's ass. <laughs> exactly. First time in ten years, he's just that the passion from Dan Moff. I will say. I mean, as ridiculous as it is, it is. There, there is something real behind those eyes. You see, Loki, I'm tired of hearing about you. I'm tired of reading about you. I'm tired of flipping in a videotape. I'm tired of your little stupid music playing and the people chatting low-key, 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 low-key. Piss on Loki! Piss on you, my man! I'm sick and tired of this garbage! It's my turn! It's my time! And then I came to the sickest, uh, the sickest realization of them all. Just the other night, I'm sitting in my house, in the privacy of my own goddamn house. And I go to tear, I go to tuck my daughter in before she goes into bed. And I, I say to her, just as a daddy would say, just as fooling around terms, I say, honey, who's your favorite wrestler? Who's the best wrestler of all time? She said, well, dad, I knew she didn't want to hurt my feelings. I thought she was going to say something silly. She said low-key. She said low-key. And for the first time in 10 years, listen to me, dammit, 10 years, I felt like taking my daughter and dammit, smacking the shit out of her. She disrespected me. And low-key, you are not gonna beat me tonight, low-key, damn it. Look at me! Because in order for you to beat me, you son of a bitch, you're gonna have to kill me with every ounce of breath that I have in my body. I'm gonna fight. I ain't gonna give up. I ain't gonna tap, and I ain't gonna lay down for you. Because, you son of a bitch, as I stand before you, and your egotistical, self-righteous ass looks up at me when for a change, you are looking up at the lights, and I'm standing over you, and my music plays! You will say, it is true. Dan Moff has grown up. But in closing, I'm going to tell you this, my friend. If you plan on trying to take Dan Moff out, you better clock in and pack a lunch, my man, because it's an all-day job! It ain't going to be easy, Loki. I don't grew up. I ain't the same little kid that used to follow you around. They used to run around with you. I'm tired of that. You don't got into my personal life. You don't got into my head. I'm sick of it. It's my time. Now. My time. All you can do is be ready.
man, that that there was craziness in that in that guy's mind, and it really came off. It was like I didn't, I wasn't expecting that at all. He said he wanted to smack the shit out of his ten year old daughter. He's like, okay, this is how we're building up to this match, and I guess it it would have worked had the match been before the the fucking yeah. street fight, I guess. But yeah. it is what it is. But we get to the main event of night two of uh, Bitter Friends, Stiffer Enemies, which is a hell of a name, pal, by the way. Goddamn. Got any stiff jokes? Uh, <clears throat> you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> touche, touche. <laughs> but Loki versus Dan Moff to finish out the uh, the second night. And uh, Dan Moff, Pearl Harbor's the beginning with uh, attacking Loki in the aisleway. And they get in the ring. Some stiff slaps, slap battles, some lariats. Key has his kicks, of course. But then ultimately, low key hits a springboard kick onto Dan Moff in the head, knocks out Dan Moff, makes him stiff. I guess that's where the title comes from. There we go. We did it. And um, we're, we're connecting lots of dots on this podcast. We really are. We are. We're really just, we need to like, somebody throw the. <laughs> by the way do you watch young rock uh i haven't i've seen a few episodes i need to watch more of it because it is pretty funny wait not it wasn't barry horowitz it was the brooklyn brawler but oh, colt okay. cabana colt cabana played the <laughs> brooklyn Dizzy. brawler. oh my god which was hilarious but I need to check um, that out. anyway so speaking of brawling these guys are brawling in there low-key hits moth with a kick knocks out moth Loki pins him for the win, but it's like in a weird part of the match. Like it, it felt like it wasn't supposed to be the finish. It's like it's probably not even that. Maybe like five minutes into the match. Yeah. And then commentary's putting it off, putting like putting it over like, oh, we got a situation here. Like they're trying to put it over like a shoot, like he shoot got knocked out, like for real, like it wasn't supposed to happen. But yeah, I don't think it was. But who am I? I don't know. What, what, do, you, what do you think about that? I didn't think it didn't look like because they showed multiple replays. It didn't look like he actually connected enough to knock him out cold, but they acted like he did. And with the strange, you know, I think it was like 10 minutes long, the strange end to it, especially with the big buildup, what they had before with this heated promos back and forth. It was just strange Mm -hmm. the way that it ended. I mean, the match was fine for as long as it went on, but I don't know. If he didn't get injured, like really hurt, then I really don't understand why they would ever have this main event over the other shit it, it just fell so flat because it was the main event i think maybe their logic is that okay if we have a guy get legit knocked out we're not gonna just have wrestling matches after that that's true. so maybe that's their logic i don't know but um yeah weird weird way to end it but uh that's what ends it and uh, especially with dan moffs like pat like you said like his passionate promo and it just leads to this so i don't know but um yeah, his ten-year-old daughter feared for her life for nothing. <laughs> well, this is why Loki is her favorite wrestler because he knocked the shit out of her. So he kicked her the fuck out, out of you and put you to sleep, motherfucker. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> and Dan Moff is uh, that daughter is going to have a rough night. You think his uh, name himself. is Dan Moff? Because if my name is Dan Moff, I'm changing it if I'm going to be a wrestler. Let's keep up the Moff. He used to go by Mafia, which well, is uh, goddamn. That's that's really good. It's <laughs> pretty cool, right? Dan Muff. Not, not he got Muff, to better on two two thirty. Thinking of that one, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Daniel Lopez is oh. his name. He looks like a Daniel Lopez. You know what he kind of does. I wanted to berate you for that, but you're not wrong. 
You can, I mean, you can if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I man. Look, so like we, Brent. look at my Brent face. <laughs> <laughs> Brent looking ass motherfucker. Exactly. You look like fucking Kyle. Look at you. Look like a fucking Kyle. I don't think I look like a Kyle. I, you really don't. Most Kyles I know are dicks, too, and you're actually pretty cool, so. No, please. <laughs> I am a dick. You just don't know it. Um, well, maybe that's why I like you. Most Kyle, most Kyles I've met are like have gauges and blonde hair and hairy yeah. nipples, like like those kind of guys. Like, that's not me. I think it's pretty fair. Yeah, I think it's I, spot on. I do have hairy nipples, actually, but well, um, it's the only part of my. <laughs> I have no chest hair except for the nipples. Me neither. I have like a little tuft here, but it, you know that, I that's whole thing at all. <laughs> <laughs> clean shaven, brother. Let's be a clean shaven. I have no segue for that. But yeah, is there any other uh, anything we did? <laughs> Sometimes I just kind of open my mind, just open my mouth and see if anything comes out of it. But nothing did. I, I, I do the same, so I get it. Mostly things go into it when I do that. But anything else from these shows that uh, we didn't touch on that you're itching to get I at? I don't think so. I think we touched on it all. I think we. I think that was all the things that I thought were great or some of the things that I thought were weird. Um that fatal four way, well, one of the four way match on the first night. I didn't like the match at all. I just loved the names of the people in it. That's why it was good. The one we talked about, <sighs> Scoot yeah, Slick and hot stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And hot stuff, and yeah. I, I like yeah. to watch old wrestling with like bad jobbers with bad names. So wrestlers with bad <laughs> names is right up my alley. So that's your go to. That's your forte. It really is. But um, so I guess if you had to have a, a match of the month and a wrestler of the month, who would those be? I think the match has got to be the the Carino um, homicide match, and I think the wrestler of the month, like you said, is definitely homicide. I mean, he had two matches on both shows, two two or that sh- the one that was a main event and one that should have been a main event. So I think you got to go with homicide. Right. Um, just rolling through this and see if there's anything we need to. You want to talk about Slim J? Oh God, no! <laughs> Fourteen versus <laughs> Jimmy Havoc. No, it wasn't Jimmy Havoc. It was Jimmy Rave. Jimmy Rave. Yeah. Jimmy Rave. Very different. Yeah, it looked like a couple of teeny boppers kind of wrestling each other. <laughs> a lot of baggy pants. There in was that one match. team. What was the team's name? The Backseat Boys. Yes, Johnny Cashmere and Trent Acid. Trent Acid passed away, didn't he? He did. A lot of these guys did, unfortunately. I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, I mean, it's wrestling, so. Yeah, like, uh, fucking 20 years ago. What are the yeah. odds of being alive still? Right. Um, right. I mean, Alexis Lurie wrestled. We had a little women's match, right? Not really, no, but yeah, we kind of did, I guess. I mean, Alexis got Mickey James, if, if yeah. uh, for, for those unaware, got in the ring and then Special K attacked her. And then uh, Becky Bayless, who is a uh, a lady member of Special K, tried to, because uh, they had a match, I guess, but then Alexis Therese, a wrestler, and Becky is not. So yeah. uh, Mickey got the quick win there and then got uh, date raped afterwards, so. Somebody call the authorities. Those fucking special gay guys are up to no good. No, I think uh, statute of limitations has run out. Maybe I don't know. Darn. Uh, Someone call Nick Aldis. Maybe he can take care of this. (laughs) Don't tell you. Don't tell Nick. He's gonna go find uh, (laughs) hijinks and cloudy and all all of that. Sure, most of those guys are probably dead. (laughs) Mm, Let's hope so. But um, yeah, man, I think that 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 pretty much ties a bow on it. Any, uh, I think I pretty much covered it. But yeah. We we covered it. We we tried to cover it, but I mean, as always, it's it's a work in progress the way we do this. But speaking of which, 
seamless. Anytime but, uh, anyone says like, I'm a work in progress, it's a work in progress on TV. I go, yeah, it is. Every time. <laughs> and everybody around you is like, what? Who the fuck is that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who invited this guy? But uh, once again, Brent, thank you for uh, coming on the show, talking some wrestling. Where can everybody find you and your lovely, lovely podcast? I am on Twitter and Instagram at AWIPod. We do a live show every Friday. It's at 10 p.m. Eastern time right after SmackDown. Uh, Twitch.tv slash AWIPod. Or we do it on Twitter, too. And, yeah, I'm, Kyle's going to be coming on our show recently soon. We're going to do the AWIPod Rumble. We're going to draw numbers, and we're going to play a fun Royal Rumble drinking game. So be on the lookout for that. Hell, yeah. And give my tag team partner, my co-host, the Mayor of Canton, a follow, too, at Mayor of Canton on Twitter. That's it. That's all I got. He's a sweet boy. He is, and he does like a thing every Thursday where he goes to a different fast food place and tries something. So check that out too. Oh, what was his most recent one? Uh, I don't remember the most recent one. I know he's been to Culver's. Did they have Culver's where you live? I've heard of it. I don't think they have them around here though. If you go to a place that has a Culver's, make sure you check out Culver's because it is delicious. Mm. What is your uh? Okay, In and Out, uh, Whataburger, Five Guys. Where are you going? Okay, so we don't have In-N-Out, and I've never been to a place that has In-N-Out. I've had Whataburger because mm. I went down to Dallas a couple years ago, and I've had um, Five Guys. And I'm going to go with Five Guys. Five Guys bacon burger is the best for me. Yeah, I suppose. I think Whataburger is definitely a better value because Five Guys is, like, unnecessarily expensive. I, I actually haven't, I haven't been in a while, but... I'm not a big fan of their fries either, Five Guys. Me neither. So Culver's Burgers put Five Guys to shame, and their fries put Five Guys to shame. If you ever in a place that has a Culver's, it's mostly Midwest, I think, go to Culver's. It's delicious. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, the only time I'm putting Five Guys inside me is... Ooh, once again, thank you too, Brent. I don't know why I did that. Well, hey, but that was, I'm having a stroke. Thank you once again to Brent from the A Work in Progress podcast for joining me on this splendiferous episode. Always a good time with Brent. If you want to hear more of him and his co-hosts, and if you consider yourself a work in progress, I strongly suggest you go check out his podcast, the A Work in Progress podcast. You can find him on Twitter at AWI Pod on Twitter. And all this, so all of his info in the description, all my info in the description, the cards of these shows are in the description. The Krabby Patty secret formulas in the description, all of it. So go down there, check that out and twiddle my nipples. Call me a bitch and that'll wrap it up, I think. So, uh, <laughs> so unnecessary. Thank you guys once again for listening. I do love you all. I appreciate you all. I cherish you all. And I love you all. You smell better when you're awake. <laughs> uh, I'm probably the only one laughing here, but that's all that matters, right? This thing's loose. Cocksucker, my mic's about to fall over. I also need a goddamn haircut. What am, who am I coming on here like a fucking... Look, look at the curl. Look at the curl action over the ears. Got, got, a, little, got a little Bruce Lee action going on. I wish it was. It's just a mullet. It, it turns into a mullet when it gets long. <sighs> My friends in middle, I tried to grow long hair in middle school and like I'm a, I'm a quarter Asian, but when I was younger, I had much more Asian-y features. So when I had long hair, it was a mullet. 
people were like, oh, nice Morit. So that kind of fucked me up. But yeah, maybe you know what? Mullets are in. So maybe uh, maybe now's the day. Maybe now's the time. I got to take a shit. So I'm going to end this. Um, <laughs> thank you guys for listening. God bless you. God bless America. And God bless the days because this one's going to be a rough one. I'm hard.